Welcome to Blind Like Me, the podcast. We share inspirational stories from the visually impaired community and explore accessible technology and services. Blind Like Me is a community of shared experiences, motivating each other to break down barriers. Your host is Tim Black. Tim has been in the broadcast industry for over 30 years in Canada and was the first legally blind student in British Columbia to attend public school. Tim has never let his disability stand in the way of his goals. Well, hi there, it's Tim. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of Blind Like Me. We thank you for listening to our podcast wherever you find us. And don't forget, if you've got a story idea you'd like to share, you can do so by visiting our website, blindlikeme.net. That's blindlikeme.net, or simply drop us an email to info at timblackonair.com. That's info at timblackonair.com. Either way, get hold of us. We'd love to chat with you. This week, we do get a chance to chat with a lady by the name of Lachi. She is a musician from New York. Lachi is an amazing lady. You're really going to enjoy this week's cast. She's a whole lot of fun. She is actually celebrating her blindness. Lachi is losing the sight that she has, but she's not letting life get in the way. So much so that she's created a bucket list of things she wants to do before she loses her sight, and she's putting all that on YouTube. This week, Lachi is our guest on Blind Like Me. Thank you so much for having me. Very excited to be here and speak with you today. Now you're in New York. Yes, New York. New York. New, New York. Yeah. I'm a New Yorker. Okay, we're going to see if your New York accent and my Canadian accent will collide with each other. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, every time I try to do a New York accent, it always ends up sounding either like Boston uh-huh. or some other weird thing because I'm just trying so hard to sound New York, even though I'm just from New York. So... I don't know. That accent is not, it's a dying, no one has that accent anymore. Really? It's only on TV. Yeah. Who talks like that? Like, what is this? Like, Hey, yo, hey, Joey. Yeah. What, like nobody talks like that. Like, <laughs> Cause I was talking to a guy who was in uh, Philadelphia a couple of weeks ago and he totally had a Philly accent. Like okay, he, now you, Philly does have an accent. Though. You totally Philly tell. really does have an accent. That's really wild. You can totally <laughs> tell he was uh, from Philly. Uh, it's something about the cheesesteaks. <laughs> Cool. I don't know. Uh, two places I've never been: uh, New York and Philadelphia. So I, uh, they're still what? in my, still in my bucket list of of things to do. Let me know when you're out here. I know a few places I got to take you. Okay, cool. Because uh, honestly, <laughs> we lived in uh, in Ontario for a while, okay. and it was our bucket list to go down to New York. And then we ended up moving to where we are now, which is in Manitoba, so we're you know, a little further away. But let's focus and let's talk a little bit about you. You are uh, quite a lot going on with you. Uh, first of all, tell me a little bit about your vision. So I was born with a disease called coloboma. Mm -hmm. uh, And basically my retinas didn't fully develop in the womb. 
Okay. Uh, and then more uh, later in life, like about maybe five years ago, I also received a severe form of keratoconus, mm -hmm. which means my corneas are just doing whatever they feel like doing. Okay. And so those kind of the combination of those two diseases, I grew up with severely low vision. And now uh, my low vision is starting to kind of degrade to no vision. I'm going from lower to lowest. Yeah, <laughs> lower that's lowest. where I'm going. Yeah, I'm going from like one to zero. Oh, so nice. it's not really that like big of a jump. So how has life for you been? I mean, um, we're going to get into what you do for music and, uh, you know, you, you've been on speaking panels. Uh, you've got a bucket list of things you want to do. You've got a YouTube channel. How is life for you as a youngster going through school, going through life and, and getting to where you are now? Tell me a little bit about your story. Well, it, like long story short for growing up, I was always super quiet and kind of kept to myself just because, you know, my parents were immigrants. Mm -hmm. And so we were just not, um, it's not like we came from this country, like my parents didn't come from this country. So mm -hmm. um, I was very shy, but at the same time, I had this sort of fire inside um, and I turned that into creativity. So I would spend a lot of time making music, making art, writing novels and, and books and drawing and doing comics. I was very artsy mm -hmm. and I continued to cultivate that art um, and I think music sort of had sort of a spark that allowed me to have confidence, mm -hmm. um, a confidence that I wasn't really getting in school. And, and um, even at home, I was still kind of pretty quiet. Mm -hmm. So when I would share my music, people would go, holy shit, you're good at something. And, uh, and so when people were reflecting that confidence back to me, I started going, oh, wow, this is something uh, that's boosting my confidence, that's allowing me to open up out of my shell. And so I continued to harness that strength and harness that sort of spark. And um, eventually when I was in college, I was like uh, performing maybe about once a week or you know once every two weeks mm -hmm. at a piano at my dorm. And okay. eventually people would just start showing up and it became a thing. It became like an event. People were like, oh, the piano girl's playing next Saturday. We got to go check her out. And frat boys and like people coming on dates would come check it out. Yeah. Uh, eventually people were like, what are you even actually doing here in this small town in North Carolina, which is where um, I started going to school. Okay. And uh, everyone was like, you should go to New York, including my guidance counselor. He was just like, go to New York, go move to New York. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, and so really... Uh, it's kind of like my my vision loss sparked me to really uh, find the art within me, which then found the music within me, which then brought me to New York, mm -hmm. which was kind of full circle because New York really is just a great place um, to to be blind. Mm -hmm. Like the, the and why and why why so? Yeah, I mean that's for two two things. Number one, did it scare the bejeebies out of you for somebody to tell <laughs> you to go from North Carolina? Uh, to New York and how, why is New York so coolly accessible? So uh, I had this thing in my mind that I was going to go to New York. I, I think once that it was planted in me, I was like, this is going to happen. Uh, so I just started doing everything I could to make sure it did. My parents were not excited about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, my friends were like, are you sure you want to do it? But also like, go do it <laughs> at the same time. And so finally, one day, I actually just went to New York. Like mm -hmm. I just went, got on a bus and left. Um, really? My parents were out of town. Mm -hmm. I, they did not want me to go at all. My parents were out of town and I just left. I was like, screw this. No money. 
<laughs> he just left. Um, God, I hope the and, bus is going in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, sorry, mom. By the way, I'm safe um, and I'm fine. Okay. Good. Um, and anyway, but New York was really just a great place, especially for somebody who's kind of artsy fartsy and mm-hmm. just doesn't really know their way. Like you can, I remember one of my earliest memories is I hadn't, I had woke up late for somewhere I was trying to go. Mm. Um, so I just, I got out of bed, washed my face, did my hair, ran down the stairs and I hadn't brushed my teeth yet. So I grabbed my toothbrush and toothpaste and I'm running down the street to get to the train and I'm just brushing my teeth just outside. Right. Like that's totally nothing. I, I could have never done that in, in Raleigh, North Carolina. Like right. the town would talk about it for years. Um, but New York, they didn't even know. They're like, you all right? Like, oh, good. She's brushing her teeth. Good. She'll be on time. So, <laughs> Well, she's got the, some personal care going on. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing about it is it's very accessible because of mm-hmm. the grid of the, the, the train station. There's a right. train um, station on every block. Um, they get you right to where you need to go to within like two minutes of walking to where you got to be. Mm-hmm. And then also New York is just so musical. Um, you can you can fall flat on your face as many times as you want and just get back up and nobody cares. And so and, and the open armedness of, of the music scene was just I don't see myself. I couldn't see myself thriving the way I throw throve mm-hmm. uh, in any other city. Uh, so you get yourself to New York, you get into this, the whole music scene. Uh, obviously mom and dad are a little shocked that you're not home. And then, and then where do you go from there? What, what starts next for you? I mean, now you're, now you're in a completely different city, uh, with somebody with, uh, who can't see very well. Uh, you've got to navigate, you've got to find Mm -hmm. a place to live. You've got to find Mm -hmm. groceries and stuff like that. What was, what was that experience like? Well, the first thing I did was I started going, I went to go to NYU because I needed like something to do. Right. <laughs> and um, so I went to NYU and while I was there, you know, I made a ton of friends. I, uh, I lived sort of right on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, I ended up getting a day job. And it was because my parents were always so, you know, have a safety net, be safe, you know, don't just jump out there because we want to make sure that you're able to have a job. I think that secretly they just didn't want me to turn into somebody that they have to take care of forever. Mm -hmm. Um, So they wanted to make sure that I would be able to, you know, have my own funds to do stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I got a day job. I ended up working at the U. I had a few jobs and ended up working at the U S army Corps of engineers. And uh, while I was there, uh, I was just doing stuff. And then I, um, I met a guy, he and I went down to South by Southwest. He was also blind and South mm-hmm. by Southwest is just huge. Like, yeah, it's massive. Festival, yeah, music, yeah, yeah. Films. Yeah. We went down there with our guitar and my vocal cords and we just started playing at like whatever bars would like listen to us play. Mm-hmm. And before we went, I ended up writing to a bunch of labels going, Hey, uh, I'm an artist. We're going to go to South by Southwest. Don't ask me how I got your email, but come check us out if you're in town. (laughs) And so we're playing at these clubs. And then eventually at one of the shows we did, actually one of the A&R reps from the like email blast I did showed up and it turned out he was from an imprint of EMI. Okay. And so we were, we eventually got signed and uh, we started doing shows and I was still working at my day job while I was touring. So uh, it was, it was very well when you work for the government, at least here in America, like PTO days are pretty intense. Yeah. 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 So, but it was turning into a thing where I couldn't do both. 
uh, I had to make a decision and I chose music, which a lot of people go, why did you choose? You left, you know, healthcare benefits, you left, <laughs> you know, a trajectory. I had a whole trajectory of, sure. you know, how much money I was going to be making and all of that. Cause you know, with the government, they set you on that path. And I was like, nah, I'd rather just do music because I'm not going to sit in a desk and stare at Excel sheets all day. I want to just do art. And, and if I, and I had said to myself, look, if I was sitting at a desk in maybe a music studio, sure. Yeah. If yeah. I was sitting at a desk, you know, do, doing something artistic, then fine. But I was like working for the government, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I left and I pursued music and it's just kind of been all, all she wrote ever since. Um, and I didn't start out with talking about my blindness mm -hmm. when I, when I entered the music industry, mm -hmm. uh, because I just, I didn't like the way, uh, the label had originally started portraying it. Explain to me They're what, like, explain to me what happened. Well, they basically were like, she's blind. She's a shtick. Come and watch her, you know, listen oh, to her music. Really? Because she's blind. It was very sticky and I didn't really oh. love it. Um, and look, I get it. You know, you want your bottom dollar. You try to figure out any way to kind of make money. So, yeah. um, but I didn't love it. So I kind of shied away from talking about my disability for a while. And I was like, I want to succeed in music first. It's going to be all about the music. Right. Um, and then I did. I did a good job. I, I ended up working with this uh great manager called Gary Salzman, who got me uh, really deeply embedded in the EDM scene. Okay. Um, and I worked with folks like Marcus Schultz, who's huge in trance. I worked with Maddox, who's huge in drum and bass. I worked with Snoop Dogg on a track. I worked with Styles P on a track. So a bunch of names of interest. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I got myself rooted in the Recording Academy as well. So there was a lot of really great things going on for me um, Mm -hmm. musically mm -hmm. but then at one point it got to a point where you know I, I was shooting myself in the foot not telling people about my disability because were there were there challenges there then uh in a sense i would walk into recording studios i would walk into um even at performance events and i would either not know how to get to a certain area and be too proud to ask mm -hmm or I would play things off. I would go to networking events and, and get in trouble because I wouldn't wave at an important industry person or whatnot, you know? Uh, right, okay. And so a lot of that kept happening and it was just backwardsing me. So I finally said, look, I, w I sat my manager down and I was like, I want to talk about my disability, but mm -hmm. I don't want it to turn into this shtick thing. Mm -hmm. And his response was, look, I watch you every day because this was before the pandemic and we were physically, you know, always doing stuff. He's like, I watch you every day and you are super empowering and motivational to me. Mm -hmm. And I am a well-off old white Jewish guy. So like, <laughs> I really feel like other people can really be motivated, inspired and empowered by you. So you right. should totally do it. So he really um, backed me up on that. And so I stepped forward, I said it and it's, been very positive. I mean, this has been since 2018, 2019, since I kind of stepped out of really? my okay. shell of hiding behind my disability and really saying, hey, look, I'm blind. Mm -hmm. I am successful. I ain't got time for this BS. Like, let's just do this. Like, I don't have. So now I just walk up to people and I go, hi, I'm blind. Right. So now what? Like, what do you, so what's up? Were there any pushbacks from when you basically said, hey, I'm blind? Did anybody, did you find any people who just kind of shied away from you? Um, uh, well, not necessarily. Um, 
I think that people uh, are a little bit awkward. Some people got a little bit awkward about it, mm-hmm. but I was already so I'm I'm already so like out there in my music career that mm-hmm. I I don't know how to. It's more like I have the clout mm-hmm. to to say it. Mm-hmm. And if somebody wants to sit there and be like, well, I don't feel like dealing with you because you're blind. Like, are you serious? I'm, <laughs> I'm yep. watchy. Like yep. you already know, like we're not, we don't have time for you. You, you, you want to work with me. Like right. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm really good at what I do. And so I've already shown that I'm really good at what I do. Right. So it's kind of like, if you don't want to work with a person that's good at what they do, then that's your prerogative. So now when you decided in 2018 that, hey, I'm going to tell everybody I'm blind, are you carrying a cane? So I have to use a cane at night. Okay. So I do have to use a cane at night. And Mm -hmm. um, so at first I was uh, just a bit apprehensive because it is such a different situation. Mm -hmm. Um, But I actually like it now because (laughs) (laughs) I love being the center of attention. So I love sitting there putting my heels on Mm -hmm. and wearing a cute little outfit, going out in my cane and everybody's looking at me like, whoa, what? Especially so for me, and I've said this before, to me, heels, Mm -hmm. and this is, this is for me, but I feel very empowered in heels because I stomp and anyone can hear me coming from a mile away. Mm -hmm. And so I like command the path I'm walking in. Mm-hmm. And so already, if I'm stomping in heels down the street and you hear me, you're already like kind of starting to move over a little bit and you kind of look back and you're like, there's this obviously powerful woman approaching. So let me turn back and look. Then you see, I have the cane. Mm-hmm. People have dove into oncoming traffic. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's fun. And it's just fun to, to, it's fun to witness. I don't know. Maybe that's just messed up. But I just love making people dive out of the way and possibly hurt themselves because I'm walking down the street. What's really funny is that because you have enough vision that you can actually see the people diving into traffic and they don't know that you can see that. Yeah, I have enough vision to notice it. I have enough vision to notice it. And so I I'm not going to hit you. No, you know what I mean? And they don't know that I'm not going to hit them, but I just I let them fly. It's fine. By the way, I, too, find heels very empowering. For yourself, yeah. Hey, I'm, do what you got to do. Uh, hey, gotta I ain't be, even here to judge. You got to be you, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, uh, it's, right. If I could only figure out how to balance, that's all right. <laughs> yes, um, it's know. all in that catwalk. It's uh, yeah, all in that I catwalk. still haven't got my hips to go the right direction. So, <laughs> what I love about you is the fact that number one, uh, you 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 are very uh, empowered, and you can tell that by. And you and I have only known each other now for like, you know, 15 minutes or so. Uh, and and the energy coming off of you is absolutely amazing. And I think one of the things that that reason why we do this podcast, as I told you in the beginning, is that we are trying to empower other people who are visually impaired and blind, uh, that life doesn't stop when you lose your vision, right? Or, or you know, you, you still have a future and you still can do things. And here's someone like yourself who has a successful music career and, and you're not scared of the world. You know, the, when I was told that I'm going to be completely losing my vision, my first reaction was, okay, awesome. Let's make a YouTube series documenting all of my bucket list stuff. Right. Like let's turn this into something really awesome because it, it is a heavy thing, mm-hmm. but 
there are so many things in life that are heavy and we we're here in this life to celebrate. Like mm -hmm. this is a banquet mm -hmm. and you don't go to a party to sit on the wall. You go to a party to have fun. Mm -hmm. And no matter what's going on, I say, just have fun. And also, you know, when you're given something like this, it heightens so many things about you. And, and I, I don't, I'm not ascribing to the like, oh, it heightens your, your hearing ability. It mm -hmm. really doesn't scientifically proven that it doesn't. But what it does heighten, and this is not scientific, so don't, <laughs> I don't have the stats to back this up. But what I do know is that you become a superior problem solver mm -hmm. because you're living in a world and trying to succeed in a world that wasn't built for you. Mm -hmm. So you're basically playing the video game on hard while everybody else is playing it on easy, which also allows you to be prouder of yourself when you do win mm -hmm. and you get to walk around not even with an external pride of saying hey everyone I won but just that internal pride of you knowing that you won the game on hard like that's just an internal pride that you get to have because you're winning at a world that wasn't built for you while people are losing at that same world mm -hmm. so I think it's actually a good thing to have that and it's why I celebrate my blindness I celebrate my uh, my race and I celebrate my gender because I get to be so much prouder of my successes mm -hmm. in a world that is against me. It's like, you know, number one, uh, a female, a woman of color in the U S and somebody who is blind in the U S uh, you're, you're already trying to climb huge ladders uh, mm -hmm. And you're doing it very successfully already uh, and, and all the power to you for that. And congratulations for doing that, because there's a lot of people who would turn around and go, uh, even if they had one of one of three of those. Right. Um, right. And, and, and I and I and I applaud you for for basically taking the bull by the horns and, and saying this is who I am and nothing's going to stop me now. Well, that's the thing. It really is one or the other when you start having odds stacked. Right. It's either just kind of go into a corner and sit in a hole mm -hmm. or have that drive. Mm -hmm. And the more odds that are stacked against you and the more you're like, I have this vision, I am going to make sure it happens. That muscle of drive just continues to hone and hone and hone to a point where like, Everything I do is like 100 now. <laughs> so you can ask JD. Uh, everything I do is like, let's do everything. Um, because you have that drive mm -hmm. and it's, it's a drive that is so innate because of the fact that you're, you're like, it's a combination of saying, well, I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to prove them wrong. And then soon it turns into, well, I'm going to just prove to myself yep. that I can do this. And someone mm -hmm. had made a great point. I think it was, I was talking to Stephen Letness, who's this amazing uh, music composer, who's also blind. Mm -hmm. uh, he was saying, you know, when you, when you, when you are, there's a lot of folks that'll skydive and, and parasail and do all of these things to feel a thrill. And then they keep, every mm -hmm. time they get to feel that thrill, they mm -hmm. want to do the next thing so they can feel that thrill. And it, they, they're dry, driven and impassioned to keep feeling thrills. But when I cross the street and I make it, mm -hmm. I get to feel that thrill like all the time. So it's like that constant drive continues to build. And, and I think that it's actually a blessing. It's Good. a blessing in disguise to have that problem solving ability mm -hmm. and to have that innate drive that come to you when you have a disability. Now I want to ask you, um, because you were told that you are going to lose your vision, you're going to go down to the next set on the dimmer switch. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Did it scare you? Uh, actually, it's interesting that it did not. 
Mm. And I was recently talking to uh, a good friend of mine, Thomas Reed, about this. Mm -hmm. I I was like, I don't know if it's going to hit me eventually or something. But I think that because I have always been low vision, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. being told that you're going to go completely blind, I I was just like, okay, Mm -hmm. all right, well, how do we enterprise this? Uh, Literally, that was my first thought was Mm -hmm. how do I turn this into something that benefits my business and my career? (laughs) So. and so, I mean, that's, that's pretty much, that was, that's, was my reaction and still is. And that's what the YouTube series is all about. Awesome. Tell me about the YouTube series before we get into your music. Tell me a little bit about what's on the YouTube series, because you have a bucket list. Yes. What's in the bucket? <laughs> so the YouTube series is basically, uh, myself as a woman who's going blind in New York, uh, just doing all the things I need to do or learning the things I need to learn before I completely go blind. And also, um, you know, again, like you mentioned, hitting up this bucket list, but then also talking to leaders in the disability space, in the the blind space, and in in the space of general um, uh, underrepresented communities. And so far, I've had the pleasure of having some of the most amazing guests. Um, I got to hang out with Molly Burke, uh, the Blind Boys of Alabama, Haben Gurma, uh, Lucy Edwards is coming up next week. And uh, we've gotten to, I, we paired up with a woman who taught me how to put on lashes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to learn how to make empanadas and flip burgers at a joint, <laughs> at a restaurant that was actually owned by a blind woman. Awesome. And so, and now we're in talks for my first skydive. We have uh, the date set. We're probably going to end up airing that maybe in August-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've got, so I'm going to be just jumping out of an airplane. Yay. Uh, but I have so many other things I want to do. Right. And, and I can't wait to do that. A lot of it is travel. Yep. A lot of it is checking out um, different places and, and their music festivals. Yep. Uh, but also uh, just doing random things. Like I do want to pair. I'm afraid to death of water, but whatever. I want to parasail. I want to um, scuba dive. I want a blind person walking along the side of the Grand Canyon. That's what I, that's what I want me to be doing. Um, I don't want to fall in. But <laughs> well, I no, think it's a little it's, bit of a drop to the bottom. It's just a bit of a drop, but yeah. heck, if it makes my video viral, we'll see what we do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all for the extra, um, all for the extra views. <laughs> it's all for the gram, baby. That's right. But um, so I'm. I mean, I'm just here to do whatever I can do before I lose my vision, and heck, even after I lose my vision. Oh, yeah, Let's it's not gonna stop going to stop you. That shouldn't stop you at all. I mean, keep exactly. on, keep on trucking, right? I mean. Uh, yes. You can do whatever you, whatever one puts their mind to, one can do, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yep, because listen, as long as you have the right tools and training, anyone can do anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So totally agree with you on that one, 110%. Now let's talk a little bit about your uh, your music and where people can find it, because uh, I want more people to experience what, you, what you're putting out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, my name is Lachi, L-A-C-H-I. And you can find me at lachimusic.com or you can find me at lachimusic on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Spotify, just Google Lachi um, everywhere. Or you could just come to New York. I'm just walking down the streets. Stomping Um, your heels. Yeah. If you see this black girl with these tall ass heels and her cane walking down the street, that is, I guarantee you, that is me. I guarantee it. Ain't I, nobody else. I can't. I can't wait to uh, 
<laughs> to actually see that because I'm looking forward to it now. <laughs> Not yet, yet another reason for me to come to New York now to see you to see you stomping down the street with your cane in your heels. I'm looking forward Heck to yeah. that. What would you say to the sighted community? I think that what I would say to the sighted community is this, and this is a great question. I wasn't ready for it. Um, learn about what the social model is. A lot of people in the sighted community um, are married to this concept called the medical model. And what the medical model is, is it states that your disability is a medical issue and that you need to solve it using medical needs. And while that's all fine and dandy, what the social model says is that actually it's society that disables us. Because if we're given the right tools and training, then we would be on the same equal playing field. And so uh, let's say for instance, if I'm in a wheelchair and I wanna get into um, a bar mm -hmm. and there are stairs, mm -hmm. the thing keeping me from getting in is the way you have your bar set up. It's not because I have a medical issue. Mm -hmm. So if you put a ramp there, then all of a sudden society is not disabling me from getting into your venue. Mm -hmm. So don't blame the medicine, blame the fact that you are not able to prepare or to, to give me the tools and training that I need to use your product, to attend your venue, to watch your film, mm -hmm. to communicate with you in a way that is adequate for two human beings to communicate. Like at the end of the day, if, if two people want to communicate, you will figure out a way for two people to communicate. All you have to do is want to put in that effort. And that's what I would say to the cited. Lachi, thanks very much for hanging out with us. You are a light, and I hope that it continues to shine brightly for you. And I look forward to uh, further conversations with you and all the success. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. Thanks for listening to Blind Like Me. If you have a story idea or you'd like to share information about new assistive technology, visit us at blindlikeme.net or send an email to info at timblackonair.com. Blind Like Me is a timblackonair.com production.